0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Every year we have this discussion. Why is it so hard to wrap your mind around the time change? I don't know. We we need we need help. Um, so next year you can give me an in-service on that. But uh, I am looking forward to this event that um, is Reflections of the Cross on on Good Friday. So we will be transforming the sanctuary to really have it be this interactive experience of the passion story. So there will be eight different stations um, around the room, and you'll pick up a packet. You'll, you'll go th- walk through a scripture, a part of the story. Um, you'll imagine yourself in that part of the story, and you'll do some kind of interactive activity at that uh, station. And then you'll move on to the next station. And so it's it's putting yourself in the story of leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection and everything that it means for us. So you can do it as an individual, as a family. Um, it'll be kid-friendly. There's a family one as well, a guide. So you can do it um, with kids, grandkids. and. I just find it a really refreshing experience to, instead of you know, just knowing the story, to put myself in the story, uh, is a different perspective. And it really brings out a depth uh, that sometimes we can gloss over when we're so familiar with something. Um, so that's gonna be open to our community. And we'll also need volunteers if you want to man, you know, just be here as a, at the welcome table. Um, as people come in and do the stations, we'll be having you know one person here at all, throughout the day for that available as well. So you can come before work during the day or after work. and uh, yeah I hope that' it's just a really a blessing uh, to our congregation, to our community, anybody that wants to come out and experience that. So um, in this Season of Lent, leading up to Easter, we've been looking at some snapshots of transformation, right, in the in the Gospel of John. Well, we just started last week, so this uh, story this morning is I've called a risky chat, okay, because it's not every day that um, Jesus, the Son of God, comes and has. A conversation with you. Sits down and has a discussion. But that's exactly what Jesus does with Nicodemus, um, a, a Pharisee named Nicodemus in the story today. Um, and it's a, a little bit more of a slow cooker transformation, right? We're talking like crock pot style transformation. Last week, Dan preached about the woman at the well, and that was more like, instapot right it was a it was a quick transformation um and but nicodemus's story is no less powerful or no less like our own story um just because it is slower and more drawn out so have you ever transformed yourself in some way if you're on facebook you can let me know maybe um something with your hair or your clothes or you know, when you were young or old. When I was in elementary school, you can let us know if you've transformed yourself in some way. I, my nickname was Lizzie in elementary school. Okay, super cute name, Lizzie. Everyone called me Lizzie. My family, my friends. You can even go in my garage and look at my uh, my saxophone case. It still says Lizzie Garman. That's my maiden name. And I loved it. And occasionally, Dan will call me Lizzie, just cute, right? But when I uh, was approaching middle school, I thought, this is my time to change my nickname, right? I thought, maybe Lizzie seems a little too kid-like for sixth grade. I wanted to make sure I transformed myself into the proper sixth grader. Uh, You know, we had four different elementary schools stream into our junior high. So no one knew that I was Lizzie except my close friends. And so I told my friends that I was going to go by Liz when I went into sixth grade. And they were not so happy with that, right? They were like, you're trying to be too cool. You're trying to, you know, just uh, be too different. Like, who do you think you're trying to be? I'm like, I don't know, maybe I am trying to be too cool, but I wanna go by Liz, and now is the perfect opportunity to change that. Um, so from sixth grade on, I have been Liz. Uh, you know, transformation, it's all about change, right? Change is altering uh, something about yourself or alt- be, something's altered in some way. That's what change is about. That's what transformation is about. Now I don't I don't have uh, that's about as drastic as it gets changing my nickname I don't do drastic transformations but uh, that was that was a turning point for me um, now imagine uh, a caterpillar okay a caterpillar goes through quite a transformation I think it's fascinating and bizarre. All at the same time. You've probably learned about this in elementary school, right? The the metamorphosis cycle um, where all of a sudden a caterpillar stops eating, right? And it uh, wraps themselves in this chrysalis. It, you know, makes this silky cocoon around itself and it hangs there and when it's done it emerges as a butterfly. I mean what in the world? It's like what is happening inside of that chrysalis where it goes from one uh form to another well i looked up on the internet what does happen (laughs) and it's kind of gross i'm not gonna lie um i don't know if you remember from school i didn't but inside of the chrysalis the caterpillar literally digests itself okay it releases these enzymes that eat all of its tissue, and it basically turns into caterpillar soup. Hmm. Well, uh, it has these highly organized cells that survive that uh, experience of dissolving, and those cells use the caterpillar soup, the nutrient rich caterpillar soup, to start rapidly, um, you know. Ch- Uh, reproducing, right? And then those cells are reproducing and start forming the parts of the butterfly, like the antenna and the wings and the eyes and the legs until a new creation is formed inside this chrysalis, which I just think is fascinating, but also kind of gross, right? Um, It basically goes through this re- Birth. It once was a caterpillar, and it changes completely from the inside out to a butterfly. And we're going to be talking about the same kind of work that Jesus does in our own hearts and lives, where he transforms us from the inside out to this spiritual rebirth that completely changes everything. Um, Romans 12 to talks about this, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this this transformation, this story this morning about Nicodemus is about changing the way he thinks. That's where the transformation starts. It starts in his mind. Um, he's, he has this philosophical discussion with Jesus that we're going to look at in John chapter 3. So that's where we're going to be this morning. I'll have it up on the screen. You can also get out your devices or your Bible. So 3 verse 1, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So we're going to pause right there and look at what we know about Nicodemus as he's entering this conversation. So it says um, that he is a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee, the Pharisees were a Jewish sect um, that were devoted to like strict observance of the Jewish religion. And this means if, if Nicodemus was a Pharisee, he was also probably well-educated um, and well-off financially. You know, he was, he was in the upper parts of society. It also says that he was a Jewish religious leader, which in other translations it talks about he's a member of the Sanhedrin which is uh, a legislative body. It's like um, the supreme uh, judicial Council in court in the Jewish society. So he's on this ruling council. He's also a Pharisee. Um, it's, his, it's his duty to protect uh, the Jewish faith from any heretics, from any liars, any deception, you know, in both of his roles as a Pharisee and, as a council leader in the Sanhedrin, he is devoting himself to the Jewish scriptures, to upholding their uh, their sacredness and the truth in them. And he's, he's devoted himself to gleaning everything out of the scriptures, um, truth and treasure, to teach himself and then to teach other people. I mean, this is his life. And often when... When Pharisees are talked about in Scripture with Jesus, they're not in a positive way. Often they're in like opposition to Jesus um, when, when they're talked about in Scripture. Because Jesus was kind of a questionable figure for, for the Pharisees. You know, he didn't fit their, their box. He didn't fit their expectations. And the Pharisees, they're kind of like these top theological folks, right? And Jesus is like the backyard preacher from some no-name uh, town, and they're just not quite sure about him. He's a little skeptical. He does things a little wonky. And uh, so they kind of have their, their, their skeptical eye on him. But Nicodemus is an exception. He has half a chapter here in three uh, devoted to him. And, you know, he has this humble and curious heart to actually find out more about who who Jesus really is you know Jesus's heart for the Pharisees was always to move them into true religion to have a relationship with the father through Jesus his heart was always for them Um, but it the Pharisees had a barrier of belief in Jesus and Nicodemus is this exception that he's kind of drawn to Jesus and he's moved to find out more about who Jesus really is. And Nicodemus has every reason to be just as skeptical about Jesus. But something is drawing him in for more. Um, you know, he has studied the scriptures, so he knows of the, the ancient prophecies and the things that have been said about the Messiah and so and his kingdom. And so he's like, if this guy is who he says he is, I need to know the truth. Um, So he sneaks away after dark to find Jesus, and Jesus sits down and has this discussion with him. And he's bold enough to risk everything. You know, he probably had to risk his job, his standing in community, maybe his very life to sneak out and have this conversation with Jesus because everybody else was against, you know, his people were against Jesus. But Jesus is like this walking invitation to a new life in the kingdom. And I think Nicodemus was cluing in on that and sensing that um, in this Right before I read uh, chapter 3, like two verses earlier, in chapter 2, it says, Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. So that was right before this conversation, and Nicodemus was probably included in that. You know, he had probably seen Jesus at the Passover festival, and he probably saw his teaching, and saw his miracles, and started wondering and begin, beginning to trust in him. He probably also knew about um, like John the Baptist's baptizing ministry, right? John the Baptist was this figure out in the wilderness who was also kind of crazy. And he's calling people out to the wilderness to be baptized in the water. Um, as a repentance, right, as a, as a way to prepare for Jesus who was going to baptize with the Spirit. And so he probably knew, okay, he knew about the scriptures, he knew about John the Baptist, he'd even seen Jesus at the Passover. He starts putting together these pieces of the puzzle and his heart is hungry and curious for Jesus. Um, so when when did you notice that in yourself, in your own story, about when you started putting together the pieces and were starting to be curious and hungry for Jesus? Maybe um, you had a whirlwind event or situation like the woman at the well and your life was radically transformed. Or maybe you identify more with the Nicodemus character here who. Uh, has like this slow buildup of transformation. And maybe it's been over a season of your life, years of your life, a whole childhood where you have been curious and drawn to Jesus. And then eventually you just gave yourself fully to Jesus. Or maybe you're still there questioning and and wondering and, and trying to test things out with Jesus and who he is really is. Um, I was drawn to Jesus more fully at church camp. When I was 13, I went to two weeks of church camp in north, the very northern top of Minnesota. And it was the most beautiful country that I had ever been in. It was so gorgeous. It was near the boundary waters. Um, and I just fell in love with Jesus there at church camp. Something awakened in my soul, being in the woods, being in creation, being out on the lake, um, being with my cabin mates and my counselors. Uh, I just had a new life come alive in me. Um, And I was raised uh, in the church to love God, to follow God. I went to church all the time with my dad. And we centered our life around God in our family. That was a foundation that was built into me. But at camp, something awakened, like in the depth of my soul, um, this love for God and His love for me that I didn't know that I was missing before. You know, I felt like I completely belonged to Him. I was completely His child. I was just overflowing with life and love after that experience. Um, And, you know, I had early wounds in my childhood that made me realize life was not all as it should be. You know, I knew that the world was a broken place, and also my heart. Um, You know, my parents got divorced when I was young, and my mom ended up passing away when I was seven. And so I was raised by my dad, a single dad, and he raised me to love God. And,. I, I was a happy kid that loved God, but I also knew the depth of grief and brokenness and really messed up things that happen in the world. And so coming from that experience, I, I just, there's like life just started pumping through my veins in a new way at camp. Um, and I just, I was so excited to have this personal relationship with Jesus. It wasn't the foundation of my church anymore. Like it was a real relationship that I had. I would like run down to the lake every morning as fast as I could to go claim my spot right next to the lake to have my devotion time with Jesus. Like I loved reading my Bible. I loved singing, worshiping Jesus. I came back from camp. I was super passionate. I wanted to change the world, right? (laughs) Uh, I told all my friends that I loved Jesus and that was it. I mean, ever since I was 13, I've been on a path of love and transformation with Jesus. Now, has it's, had it's, it's had its extreme valleys and mountains ever since then, but God has always been with me my whole life long. And I have felt that, that life uh, just breathed into me in a different way uh, when I gave my life fully to Jesus. And so we're peering into this process with, with Nicodemus, right? We're kind of like getting to look inside the chrysalis, right? We, we don't get to look inside the, that real chrysalis. What's going on in there? But we kind of get to peer into the process here with Nicodemus. And I think, you know, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, he's calling him teacher. You know, he's acknowledging, you know, you have been sent... By God. You've, you have these miraculous signs, um, and we know that God's with you. He's kind of opening this conversation on a surface level. And we see Jesus very quickly, um, I think he goes beyond the surface level and cuts right to the, the heart of what Nicodemus is after. Um, that if 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 you really are the Messiah, how do I follow you? How do I join the kingdom? is really what's going on behind his opening here. And Jesus cuts straight through the comfortable uh, faith talk and goes for a zinger. And this is what Jesus says in verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God of god and nicodemus is really caught off guard okay he says what do you mean he exclaims how can old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again well nicodemus i'll tell you there isn't a mother in the entire world that wants you to be born again right once was enough we're good with that um so thankfully uh jesus is talking about heavenly things here But Nicodemus is so thrown off, he's not really really caught up yet. Um, And so the thing is with Nicodemus being a Jew, he has this deeply ingrained belief that your lineage matters a whole lot. You know, who you were born to, where you were born, how you were born— All those things matter for how God is going to work in your life. And basically, Nicodemus has always been on the right side of all these things. I'm so sorry. I don't know why it's doing that. I'll have to go to a handheld if it keeps messing you up. Okay. Um, But, you know, it's hard to change your thinking, right? When you're ingrained in a certain belief and mindset, like, uh, you know, who you are and where you came from and what all that means, it's hard to change that. And Jesus is disrupting it for Nicodemus and he's, he's not quite catching on yet. Um, and the Pharisees in general, they believed that they would inherit the kingdom of God um, when they were resurrected. And it was already theirs. So to be born a Jew means you inherit the kingdom of God. It was just synonymous. So to say that you would not see the kingdom of God unless you were born again was kind of a shocker. Um, It was a plot twist that the Pharisees weren't really prepared for. Okay, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Um, So, Jesus, we're going to see what Jesus replies in uh, verse 5. So, Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind. No, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. So Nicodemus is kind of shocked by all this. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you know, to be born a Jew is not going to guarantee you entrance into the kingdom. You have to be born again. You have to be born of water and the spirit. Jesus is making the kingdom of God available to anyone. It is no longer just uh, the Jews' inheritance. Now it is for the whole earth. And um, you don't have to have the right family, the right birth line. You don't have to have the right position or the right career. You don't have to have the right parents or the right personality. You don't even have to have the right morals. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is available to anyone that turns and believes in him. If you put Jesus in charge of your life instead of yourself, you can have this spiritual rebirth. And John, who is the writer of this gospel, he even touches on this point in John 1, 12 through 13. He says earlier in in this book, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So anybody who believes and accepts Jesus, he gives them the right to become children of God. And that's John's theme that he starts highlighting throughout his book. That's why he's highlighting this story, because his point throughout the whole book of John is, highlighting the life of Jesus is to say Jesus is the Messiah he is the one that you can turn and believe in and have forever eternal life and you can continue to grow in a rich transforming faith as you start to follow him so what about this being born of the water and the spirit well, it's kind of like this double metaphor where a lot of times in Scripture, uh, the spirit, water is a metaphor for the spirit. And so Jesus is showing, like, this is what happens in, in uh, spiritual rebirth. The water is this cleansing that comes and cleanses you from all the sin and brokenness and junk. And the Spirit does this powerful work to give you new life. And it's the great exchange that Jesus is offering that, um, you know, you can give him your sin and your brokenness. And in exchange, he gives you life and peace and love. And that's exactly what I experienced at camp that summer. And to mark that experience i got baptized in the lake right there at camp i got dunked in the water that my uh, old life was dead and my new life in the spirit and in jesus was alive Um, and that marked my spiritual rebirth and the spirit does this in like a very mysterious way that's what he's saying like You know, we can't always understand how the spirit works or when he works or, you know, what's exactly happening in the heart of somebody. We can't see inside someone's soul, you know. We can't x-ray that. But we can trust that the spirit is always at work. He is always at work. And we eventually, we see the evidence of it. We see his power changing our hearts. We see that our character is transformed more and more to the likeness of Jesus. We see him healing our deep wounds and our pain, and we see him fill us with things that don't make sense, like joy and love and peace. And, you know, just like that caterpillar, we can't see what's going on inside that chrysalis. I don't think I want to. (laughs) But we can see the transformation when it emerges. Um, We can't see where the wind blows. We can't say, oh, it's it's blowing right over there, so I'm going to hop on over here and avoid it, you know. It's blowing. And we can feel the effects. And we can see the effects when power lines go down and tree limbs go down and we're driving on the highway and we're having to grip the steering wheel a little bit more because it's, it's pushing us. So to be a follower of Jesus, you need the Spirit to bring about transformation in your life. We're not just intellectually believing in Jesus. It's a work that goes on on the in side in our hearts, that we respond to the Spirit's work inside of us. Now, Nicodemus, knowing the scriptures, would have been familiar with the themes of water and Spirit. Uh, From Ezekiel, there's an old prophecy, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, that says this, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And Jesus is showing Nicodemus... That this is happening now through Jesus and through him bringing the kingdom. He is doing the cleansing and the the sprinkling. He is washing away those broken things. And he is giving you a responsive heart that is welcoming you into the kingdom. And so Nicodemus, he responds, how are these things possible? Jesus, how? How can you be doing that? And, and Jesus responds again. You are a respected Jewish teacher, and you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So he's saying, you know, you're a teacher of the Jewish faith. If anybody should understand these things, Nicodemus, I would expect you to be able to put the pieces together. But Nicodemus is having a hard time grasping the most basic requirement for entrance into the kingdom of God, of what it means to be reborn in the spirit. Um, That belief in Jesus and what he's saying is a barrier. And so... Jesus is now making wide and available this kingdom of God. No longer can the kingdom of God and God's love be stuck in a system. You know, it can't be contained in a religious system. It's breaking out and it's breaking free. Um, And to be a member of the kingdom of God, you have to be born of water and the spirit. You have to be spiritually re born. And it's about this relationship with God. Jesus is saying, um, you know, I've come straight from heaven to give you testimony about these things. You can believe that what I'm saying is true. And right after the conversation ends here, we don't know what happens. Um, And right after the conversation ends is one of the most famous Bible passages, right, John 3.16. You've at least heard that, right? It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So we don't, we don't really know what Nicodemus's takeaways are from this conversation. But I bet he had a lot to chew on, a lot to think about. He probably went back and reread the scriptures and studied and, and prayed and he, he probably went to go hear Jesus and see him more. Um, something is going on inside his heart that we can't quite see, but we know the Spirit is at work. In um, two other places in John, in chapter 7 and then 19, we, he gets referenced real briefly. And so in 7, we see Jesus was at a festival, a Jewish festival, and at the end of the festival, he gets up and declares that he has living water for anyone that's thirsty. They can come and drink his living water, and that really makes the Pharisees mad, and they start arguing, and there's all this, you know, going on, and they want to arrest him, and Nicodemus sticks his neck out for Jesus and says, you know, in, in our Jewish law, he deserves, or he's required a fair trial. We can't just arrest him, right? And the Pharisees are all like, oh, come on, you're starting to believe this stuff, you know? He's the only Pharisee like that's highlighted with this kind of humble, curious heart. And then later, something must have happened because in chapter nineteen, he brings spices to prepare Jesus' body for burial. So he has he is tenderly uh carrying for Jesus' body before it's placed in the earth. So something has changed in this man's heart. Um, And what what would you risk to have an encounter with Jesus? Nicodemus risked it all to find out more about the truth of who Jesus really was. Not just who, what his religion said what his social group said, all the pressures were around him of what he should believe about Jesus. And yet his heart was open to the Spirit's work. And I think, you know, we too, we always have to have this humble heart, uh, willing to risk things to follow Jesus and have ongoing transformation in our life that we let him renew us continually to strip away our old selves and bring us into the full identity of children of God. So just two questions for you to think about as we close. How are you following Jesus today? Like, How are you responsive to Jesus today? How are you listening to him this week? How how are you responding to him? How are you allowing his spirit to transform you today and this week? Because it's a moment-by-moment relationship, right? And how are you praying for others to have a similar transformation? Maybe you know people in your life that uh, that are like the woman at the well that, are far from God or that um, might have a quick turnaround or people that are hungering and questioning, neighbors. You know, in our church, we always want to reach out to our family and our friends and our neighbors with the life of Jesus. And so how are you praying for someone in your circle um, to have an encounter with Jesus, just like Nicodemus, just like the woman at the well? That would change everything really. So I'm going to invite uh, Bridget up for worship and I will pray for us as we close. Lord thank you uh, for this day. Um, thank you for just this church and this people that we can gather and be with this morning. I thank you that you um, You just offer us new life. We can can put down every weight and baggage and pain and sin. We can lay it all down, and you give us spiritual transformation. You give us new life and new freedom in you. And there's no cost. You do it all. Jesus, I pray that you would just fill this room with your presence and that we would be able to encounter you this morning as we sing and worship. And we thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemuhammad.org.